Hey guys, and welcome back to the Longtail Podcast. In this week's episode, Professor Udden and I talk about dark cinema and why we and others oddly like it so much. This episode is going to be pretty long, so sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Longtail Podcast. On this episode, I'm going to be talking with my favorite professor, uh, James Udden, as always. I better be your favorite professor. Why are you getting angry this <laughs> Well, it's a competition between me and Chris Speedy, right? Yeah, right, right, right. And, you know, you guys, it's a tough competition. You I guys gotta say, Chris Speedy. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. Not only that, he's been mentioned in a book I read this summer called How Humans Learn. And mm-hmm. he's the first person mentioned in that. Oh. I thought, damn it, Chris, <laughs> right. my good friend Chris gets a mention. <laughs> right. What about me? Now, of course, this student never had me as a professor, so For, he graduated before I came here, so there's really no competition, but still. You guys, you know? for, for all of you listening, when he said, when he said that he hopes that I should be his favorite, should be his favorite professor, he had his arms crossed and he like leaned forward in his seat. <laughs> Yo, well, this isn't a video, so we, yeah, they can't see. Yeah, exactly. My, my they needed to know how absurd you were. Yeah, um, yeah. No, but on this episode, we're going to be talking about why it is that we believe that people who enjoy cinema to a great degree love movies where particularly there's a lot of trauma or a lot of sad occurrences in the movie where there aren't very many happy themes going on. Or just, in other words, kind of dark films. Yes, dark films, yeah. So your argument is then that people who like movies in general are more likely to be able to tolerate the dark themes. Yeah, I think for one thing, people who like movies, if you put a movie in front of someone who really likes movies, we can like anything, yeah. You know, it's an interesting question because I'm not sure, I guess there are people who only like happy things i think you said your yeah. sister is that way. my sister is totally that way yeah things yeah and so forth it's an interesting question that is not just about dark things it's kind of similar to questions about the horror film mm. okay why is it people like horror films that's a real mystery in a lot of ways and there's a very complicated answer there's a lot of different answers for different types of horror films there's a lot of different theories that you're going to find out because i'm going to do a class on comedy and horror about that very theme why is it that we like this sort of thing why do we like dark things now some of the basic theories this goes back to the greeks in a way okay you really can go back to the greeks it's mm-hmm. Plato versus Aristotle. Right. Plato basically didn't like most forms of art. He thought most forms of art were dangerous. That even included music. What? Now, it didn't include cinema because I don't know if you Cinema know didn't exist. Right. It didn't exist in the, the, the ancient Greeks. But I can't imagine what Plato, if he saw what our he popular of- culture today and what we can access on the long tail yeah. you know, with, through streaming, he would be appalled by it. Aristotle, on the other hand... Because it's really between him and Aristotle, would say this is not a bad thing. Yeah, of course. And the reason is because Aristotle had the theory of catharsis. Right. Now, we kind of misunderstand what catharsis means, you know, when we say it's very cathartic. People kind of think that cathartic just means uh, allowing yourself to feel bad. Actually, the original meaning of catharsis was to get your demons out. Right. Now, this is uh, what is often said about horror. 
that uh, Stephen King has said this. He says, it's better that we do this stuff in our art than in real life because we got to get those <laughs> demons out right. of us. He actually said that once. No, that's really smart. Okay. So the theory could be with anything dark, even if it's not horror, maybe it's the same thing. Maybe this is the best way for us to process this, to deal with these dark bits. Otherwise, we just shove it in, and then it's going to come out in a really shitty way. way. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I've always taken the Aristotelian view versus the Platonic view. As a matter of fact, I think it's kind of ridiculous to be a media scholar if you're an adherent of Plato's ideas, because (laughs) then I'm basically violating Plato all the time by watching all the things that I do, and I watch a lot of dark stuff. So Plato was basically just a grouchy little curmudgeon yeah yeah Yeah. that he was a he was a grouchy old classical greek curmudgeon yes that's a good way to look at it yeah that's a very good so basically he hated fun by the way i just want you to know one thing um in in faculty dining there was this table called the curmudgeon table okay (laughs) now the problem is I just realized in the last couple of years, most of those people in the original curmudgeon table have retired. So I think now my table has become the curmudgeon table. But, you know, uh, we all like to watch dark things. As far as I know, if I ask all my friends at that table, I, think I mean, they, you know, I know Fee likes to watch dark stuff too. Oh, yeah. yeah he definitely does. Yeah. He definitely does. You know, Chris and I are good friends, and uh, he he's interest in a lot of stuff he i mean he does an encyclopedia of conspiracy conspiracy theories really you know which can lead you down a dark path he doesn't believe in them but okay, he just thank likes God. calculated yeah he's i mean chris is a real polymath oh, yeah. and he looks at a lot of different stuff i remember and i took a homelessness course with him as you know Yes. And he, have you, you've seen The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith, right? Uh, you James know what? Smith. I have never actually seen that movie. Okay, yes. so that movie is about uh, a, strug- a man and his son who are struggling to get by, and uh, they briefly are homeless for a little bit, and it, this is based on a true story, and they're able to, he's able to get an internship working at a, um, at some kind of, I forget what it is, some kind of firm, um, a stock trader or something like that, and he's able to pull himself out of that place of homelessness with his son, and and that's what the movie's about. It's about his struggle and, and then um, succeeding in the end. Right. And Chris Fee doesn't like that movie because he feels that it romanticizes homelessness. Yes. And he feels that, like, it's not a true depiction of what the homeless experience is like. Right. Here's the problem with a movie like it. This is actually one of the reasons why I've never watched it. I know the, about this movie. I've heard about it. Yeah. I've heard of people who loved it. And it bothered me the it's, reasons why they love it. Because what it reinforces is this American idea that it's all based on your individual effort. All you have to do is work hard enough. Look at yeah, you did it. That, true. That's that a true bullshit. story. That's true in his case. It's that bullshit. But that like is the exception to the rule. That does not mean... That there are equal opportunities exactly, for there are millions out of, there. But this reinforces the idea we don't have to do anything. We don't have to have good policies to make this possible or anything like that. The structural impediments that actually for most people that would not be possible. That there are people who work as hard as they possibly can. People who work two to three jobs 
all the time, 70 hours a week, and they don't get ahead. Yeah. They don't get that chance because there are these chance things. It is not based on individual effort. I'm all for individual effort and individual responsibility. But I'm also equally for society, societal responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Like that. that plays into like that I- the ideology of oh, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's such an it's, American idea. It's such crap. It is crap. It's not it like people thinking that it's entirely dependent on the efforts that you make is just idiotic. But the think about it. This is we're getting to a very different theme here, though. Yeah. The idea of the individual. Mm-hmm. being able to solve everything look at the western hero right the the individual you know, the rogue cop yeah the, whatever the idea that the individual can take on the system and and save everything as an individual that's such an american idea. oh yeah okay so this is related to what you're asking about though yeah why do i prefer dark things why do i not like something like pursuit of happiness I, it's not that I don't like uplifting things. I'll tell you something. It's I a good love. movie. It's not a bad movie. No, I'm sure it the is. Performances not a bad movie. are incredible, but okay. I, I agree with him on that level okay. that that it does romanticize something that's very difficult. Yeah, I don't mind things that are uplifting so yeah. long as they're real enough. If, if there's a good example of this, have you ever watched This Is Us? No, but okay. I agree. Okay, okay. I for a long time thought I would hate This Is Us because I thought, oh, this is one of these uplifting shows that pays, paints this really romantic picture of the world and these wonderful people who you know just pull themselves up by their bootstraps and everything works out yeah it's actually not what that show is these people are pretty wonderful but man their problems are real their problem there was alcoholism there's problems of infidelity of 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 race really came up especially uh the last season when George Floyd happened, because one of the kids in the family, it's about uh, two brothers and a sister all born on the same day. Really? But one of them was adopted. He got adopted from the hospital when the other two were born. That's what started It's a crazy thing. coincidence, yeah. And he's, he, he is African-American. Yeah. And it was really fascinating how the other two siblings just realized they were oblivious to some of the issues that, that he had been going through. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the show is incredibly uplifting, but it's also very real about it. It doesn't pretend that this is just easy. It's all based on individual effort. It, it, it shows that, you know, tragedies do happen. Some things, some things don't work out. There, you know, that there are things beyond all of these characters' control. I think that that points at why I tend to like stories that are have darker themes and are like that more so. Because they're more real. They are more real. Ones that, that that don't show you, oh, let me wrap it up in a nice big bow at the right. end, like which Hitchcock often did, especially when he started working in the United States. It's this very American theme of like putting a nice big bow on it at the end. And I just I'm more drawn to movies that are more like real life and that they don't always have clear, concise, happy endings. Right. I mean, okay, so you're talking about the possibility of open-ended endings. And the great counter-tradition to right. the typical Hollywood... But, I, I yeah. shouldn't just say Hollywood, the typical popular film. Yeah. Because if you look at a typical Indian film or you know, another popular industry such as Hong Kong, or, or maybe South the Korea. average Japanese film, not the great Japanese film by the great directors, 
where they could have a certain degree of ambiguity, they all tend to resolve whatever the narrative enigmas are. They yeah, resolve them. totally. And that's a very reassuring thing to a lot of people. However, I think that's a very double-edged sword. I don't think it's good to be told yeah. that things are going to work out when they don't work out in real life. This is why I think a lot of Americans are very, very unhappy. Because I think they have this expectation, especially white Americans, that things are just going to work out. Yeah. But they don't always work out. And if you want to make sure they work out, it's not just based on individual effort. It has to be based on how the society as a whole is organized, all the different things we're doing. Absolutely. You know, if you you happen to grow up in a neighborhood with a poor tax base, you're probably not going to have a chance of going at a very good school, especially when the jobs in your neighborhood have been outsourced. None of that is is the fault of the people living in the neighborhood. That's from larger forces above them that have been doing this for the last decades. Mm -hmm. What do you do then? Well, some of them will make it. Some of them will be like the pursuit of happiness. Then you have this great story. But what about all those people who didn't? Yeah, exactly. So what I counter uh, the pursuit of happiness is, is the wire. Okay, okay yeah. The show based in Baltimore. Yeah. Because I have never seen another show where each season focused on a particular institution in Baltimore. And every season highlighted not just that these are flawed individuals, both on the side of of uh, the, the, the drug gangs and the police. They're both very flawed. They're both incredibly human. Both of them, both sides, clearly these people do things for the reasons they do. Nobody has complete control over everything. But it also highlighted the failure of institutions in Baltimore. And that was the amazing thing about that show. Mm -hmm. That whether you're looking at the police, the court system, the educational system, the media, everything you looked at in that show, you would see there were systemic flaws in how things were being done. Most of all, the war on drugs. And even the police knew this war was ridiculous, but we have to fight this war because we're caught in this system. I mean, they would make that joke. One police officer in that show in the first season said, uh, the war on drugs isn't a war. And the other police officer said, why isn't it a war? Because wars end. This is never going to end. Yeah. It was making points like that. That's why that was a very striking show. And there are other that shows that show this sort of systemic quality to things. Another show I've been watching recently uh, that I'm now all caught up on uh, is Billions on Showtime. Billions is about Wall Street, and it's about hedge funds in Wall Street, and it's about people who are incredibly destructive, but it's also about the, uh, the legal side who are going after them, okay? And it is really interesting how people on both sides justify what they do, how the, the, uh, the hedge fund managers, most of all this very complex and fascinating character uh, called David Axelrod, who's played by Damian Lewis. Mm -hmm. uh, he is, on the one hand, one of the most ruthless, most calculating, even at one point calls himself, I am a monster. We are monsters in Wall Street. That's what we have to be. But we deserve what we have because we are monsters. He actually said that at one point. 
Then there are people on the legal side who go after them, but they get equally corrupted in the process. And what it, it's sort of exactly like watching The Wire, because what I remember about The Wire was they never dumbed anything down. They never explained to you the street lingo of the drug gangs. They also didn't explain to you the the lingo of the police. You had to watch so carefully to understand what anybody was saying. Yeah. All right. That is what made that show so compelling. Billions, it's the same way. They talk the way they talk at an actual hedge fund. They don't decode anything for the average viewer. Likewise, in the legal profession, half the times I don't know what they're talking about. What are they talking about? You know, what exactly? And that's is, one thing. It, they don't necessarily want you to understand everything. Well, you're precisely right. I Our think, legal system, the terms they use, it is designed that only specialists can really understand it. Yeah. Because it is designed so the average person can't really figure out. And that is equally true of what happens on Wall Street. Billions is brilliant that way because it brings it out. And it brings out these incredibly flawed characters who basically will stop at nothing to achieve what they want to do. Okay? Even when they're supposedly have good motivations, they end up doing really awful things. But it also brings out how it's all very systemic, that none of these people really have control over the, the whole thing. Yeah. Individual effort alone is not going to cut it. You are a part of a system, whatever. In this case, it's a system that favors these people. Whereas The Wire shows a system that doesn't favor the people. They have no other recourse other than to uh, get involved in these drug gangs in a lot of cases because there's no other opportunity for them in the inner cities of Baltimore. Yeah. And these are not what you call light shows. Like your sister would not like it. They're not happy oh, shows. No, no. They're dark. They're yeah. dark. They're very dark shows. I really love shows like that. Why? Because I don't want to be blind to this. I want to, I think one of the reasons, if you're asking why people like dark shows and movies and things like that i think one of the reasons is that i think it better prepares us to live in the world yeah it better prepares us i completely agree i don't think media is only about escape that is one reason sometimes yeah i yeah. want a mindless comedy i want something ridiculous right, right. i want something stupid that's fine but that's not the only thing that's there i do think that the reason why we like things that are darker and maybe why people in particular who just love movies in general like it more than maybe the average person, although I don't think that's entirely true. I think there's some people who just like, I think there, there must be people out there. I only like really sad stories. I don't really like comedies. I'm not a movie fan I per se. I don't want to meet there that. There has to be people like that. I don't want to meet that person, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably don't either because I love comedies as yeah. well. Comedy is sort of the same way because it really brings out, just like horror, uh, the greatest human flaws and vulnerabilities. Oh, yeah. It's not about human beings as heroes. My biggest problem is with the heroes, okay? On the other hand, That's I love why you... a great classic Western where the Western hero has to leave at the end because I think the whole idea of the Western hero leaving is a really John Wayne. interesting... Yeah, John Wayne. It, it, it's fascinating because... It says something about our culture. Oh, yeah, for like. sure. And just like the it musical. Should, Does your sister like musical, by the way? Some. Yeah, some. Like, what were you What were you going to say? Does she like La La Land? She, I haven't been able to get her to watch that yet. Yeah, because that's a know, sad ending. I know she'll love it. 
I know for, there are these movies but, but that. Wait a minute. How would she feel about the ending? How do you think she would feel about the ending of La La Land? I think she'll be saddened by it, but she'll be like, damn, that was a fucking good movie. Because it is a fucking good movie. <laughs> so your sister talks exactly like you. She drops the F bomb right and left. And uh, not as much, but. um. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, that movie is beautifully done. It is beautiful. And I, when I was actually, when I was doing research into it, like the studio. Like it got back, they they like I said they backlogged. It got backlogged, and they didn't want to make it. Like the only way that he was, um, Damien Chazelle was able to make that movie was because he made Whiplash before. It, absolutely, and because he had the idea long before he made Whip, and he Whiplash. Had, and yeah. the studios hated the idea of the sad ending where they don't end up together. Exactly, and exactly. he was able to. And I think I think that is a fantastic choice to end a yeah. movie that way. Yeah. Perfect for a one on one. Oh yeah, use it in a one on one course for right. that very reason. It's perfect to contrast that because it takes the opposite of really? singing in the rain, where the couple does get together. That's usually what happened in the classic musical. This took the opposite trajectory. Here's a couple that's together, but they have to go opposite ways because they can't they can't combine career and love the way they do in singing in the it's rain. It's the most beautiful slap in the face you'll ever get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so why do we like that? Isn't that fascinating that we love? I I I thought that ending was so brilliant. I be- really did. because it makes you makes you it gives you an emotional reaction. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing that a movie can do to get people to like it is give them a strong emotional reaction to where they'll remember it. But what should be a negative emotion? That's what's so fascinating that it's just as much involved and but it feels so emotions. much more real with them not being together. Okay, but what is the so what is the source of our pleasure of that? That it's relatable, like we've all. I so think, you think I think just the term relatable. I think relatability is a huge thing. Not it doesn't necessarily have to be like perfectly in line with something that happened in your life, but like okay. everyone, every human being goes with goes through emotional struggles. And right. when you're seeing some, when you're seeing someone else, some a character in a film go through an emotional struggle, on on some level, you're gonna relate to that. And you're going to then root for that character and okay. hope that good things happen. So for I'm going to pose a question to you. Because Go for it. have you ever thought that there maybe is a more selfish reason why we sad endings or movies or bad things happen to other people? You say it's relatable. I think that's a key word here. It's relatable, but then you think, but it's not me, it's that person. I'm not the only one going. Have you ever thought about that? I haven't. That's a good point. No. That is a good see, point. Because, like, you're only, you watch the movie and then you're like, all right, I'm back to my I life. I can experience this, but it's not my it's actual not, experience. Exactly. It's not my actual and struggle. I can almost take some comfort in the fact this isn't me. Yes. Or if totally. it is me, it's also someone else. I'm not alone or things like that. That was one point I was going to hit is that. Um, like characters going through particular struggles, like it's the feeling of, of um, the audience that you're not alone in a situation. Yeah, and I think that's a key factor here. Yeah, 100%. really, really important factor of why uh, people can process dark things. Now, it's and interesting, you, okay, you bring up whether, your original question is whether it's only people who really like movies like dark ended. I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I'll give you another example. Okay. Uh, there's been a lot of studies done on the melodrama. Okay, and the melodrama. For, okay, I was just gonna say for our audience. 
if you could explain well, that. It especially like, looks at audiences, why audiences would process these movies. Because they're very popular, especially with female audiences. Mm. Not only in the United States, not which more in the past than perhaps today, but in Asia, because I know Asia very well, the melodramatic tropes are really, really prevalent. Uh, melodramas are everywhere. Could could In the Mood for Love be an example of a melodrama? In a way. Yeah. In a way, but that's too almost too arty to be reduced to that label because yeah. it doesn't follow a lot of the tropes. But it does follow the tropes of, you know, often what is central to a lot of melodramas is unrequited love or sort of a conflict between duty versus passion. Right. A woman loves someone, but they can't be with that person because there's a duty or, you know, so forth. There's La La Land right there. It often involves a mother, melodramas often involve a mother who has to sacrifice something of herself for her child. Talk about okay. Sophie's choice. It always involves sacrificing either something for your child or sacrificing a love that you wanted but you can't have. And yeah. So these are what are called melodramatic tropes. They're very common. They're very transcultural. Uh, there, there are American examples of this. There are Chinese examples of this. There are Japanese examples of this. There's European examples of this. There's examples in every single culture. Of course. There's African. I'm sure... There's African examples. I just haven't seen enough of African uh, movies because there's not as many of them. Although I probably should watch Nollywood films, and I suspect a lot of them would be very melodramatic as well. From what I've read in the descriptions of them, they are. Okay? So in every one of these cases, and the, it, it's, it's about the suffering, usually of women. Mm. And women love this. Why do women love this? Well, that's an interesting question. I wouldn't say that women who love melodramas are necessarily movie mad, like they like all genres. I don't think that's the case. No. But I think they get something out of it. And one thing is perhaps just what I was arguing. You don't feel alone. I've been through this. Yeah, right? 100%. It's a double-edged sword, I think. A lot of times melodramas, I think, reinforce certain not so progressive ideas about how women should be right what they should expect or not expect uh but on the other hand maybe it's a it's a true source of comfort for them i'm i know i i can i forget the name of the movie that had us watch for film history it's the one where the woman goes to have an abortion oh four months three weeks yes that movie that is beyond the melodrama that That is heroin it is Talk about a dark film but you i will never forget that film right? no definitely not oh, and man. I, I i you know i knew the first time i saw that and i saw it at the majestic here in gettysburg that's where it showed and i remember the first time i saw that film i said i cannot believe this film i know i'm going to teach this film at some point yeah in some class because this film was so unforgettable the same way i felt about a separation the iranian film when i saw that in berlin in 2011 and it's world premiere at the Berlin Film Festival. I said, I know I'm going to teach this film. I don't know where, but I'm going to teach this film because it's so compelling. That's a great So what do you want to say about four months, three weeks? I was going to say, I wonder what uh, what the women's reaction is to that. I feel like some women might be able to relate to it on a deep level. Oh, I because think... Because of I, having I, possibly having an abortion or something like that. I think they could definitely relate to it. They could relate to the situation. 
No. And even the now, con, even the yeah, exactly. Views, obviously, I know people in my family would be actually appalled by that. Though the whole idea that you know people would have abortion, or they would be disturbed by the fact this is a communist country where abortion was illegal. Yeah, and this is what they had to resort to, and this is what women do resort to when abortion is illegal. So I don't know how people like, but I think a lot of women. Uh, and you know, Shu Chen, she saw that film with me. She she said that was a really compelling film. Just, yeah, what's so compelling about it is it's it turns out it was just a fairly typical story where they had an illegal abortion, which happened a lot in Romania in the old communist system. Uh, and in this case, nothing actually went wrong, except for one thing, one key thing that did go wrong. The guy who gave the abortion exploited the situation in for sex. Of sexual yeah. Favors, yeah, exactly. Okay? So he did take advantage of it. And that was the traumatic thing for the main character, right? right? But otherwise, the abortion went off with a hitch, but the unrelenting tension of that film. Oh, my God. The end was unbelievable. The whole time, I, I, you remember the birthday party? Her, uh, her oh, boyfriend's my God. Mother, yeah, she was just staring there. there. Yeah. And everybody is completely oblivious to what's going on in her life, including her boyfriend. Yeah. And, and, but the whole long take of that birthday party, you're just listening to this banal conversation of people talking about this and that, their work, going to school, stuff like that. And she's barely said anything, but you're just looking at her the whole time. And you're just trying to imagine what's going on in her head. Yeah. All right. So you ask, that's, you know, talk about a dark movie. movie that's yeah, it. That's it, yeah. Well, I'm not a woman, but I look at that and I could really <laughs> feel what she was experiencing. Oh, my God, the, the totally. The experience of, of, for her and her and her roommate got the abortion, I just thought, oh, my God, so that's what it could be like for a woman yeah, in that situation. One, totally. What a horrible situation. What a Hobson's choice they were facing. You know, either go through with this pregnancy or not. Either like, way, they were screwed, literally. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were screwed by God. the system they were in. Yeah. Talk about people who have no power in their lives. And I think that's one of the key things about about whether or not you're able to tolerate a dark film. Can you tolerate the fact that you don't have a lot of power over a lot of things that happen to you? Yeah. I can. I think. Throughout my life, when I look at the movies I have liked over the years and how I learned to watch a variety of things and why do I like dark things, it reminds me that, that yes, I don't have control over things, so what do I do then? You know, how do I respond? What's very important? How do I respond? And how do I make it through regardless? You, know, you look at it. Like that point you hit on earlier, you're thankful that you're not them. Yeah, when you when you finish way, watching true. the movie, you're thankful yeah. that you're not in that that you're not in that experience, but you're glad for having seen that and being able to know that that you're not in that experience, especially as a guy watching a movie like that. Like after I watched that movie, I was like, man, that's really rough. It's really rough. I'm thankful that that's something that I would never ever have to experience firsthand in that way. Right. So now I'm thinking of two other films, two of the darkest films I've ever seen. Ooh. Okay. One of them I don't know if you would, very few people could handle. What is it called? Sam Brackage's The Act of Seeing with One's Own Eyes. And what is the subject matter of that film? 
the entire you know Sam Brackage made over a thousand films, yeah. famous avant-garde films. Oh yeah, of course, of course, yes. History. There's a reason why I didn't show this film, okay? <laughs> because that's the literal translation of what autopsy is. The whole thing is about. Oh God! Yeah, that's what that is. Yes. Is it's, it just showing in-depth looks yeah, at surgeries? But, but in such a brackage family, oh, in fashion, in such a brackage fashion, because what he does is he eventually makes it more and more abstract with close-ups. He said, and and I know what Brackage said about this. Mm. Brackage said, "I've always had a deep-seated fear of death." So I thought the and that's only way to I deal with really it yeah. was to confront it and go see this and make this film. The only way I can do it is to make a film about it. Yeah, and that's understandable. But man, that sounds like a terribly rough watch. It, it was incredibly hard to watch. I, I I think I have the video. No, I think I have the. Uh, the oh the please! Oh, I'm dying to borrow it from you. <laughs> Somehow you borrow things from me. I don't think you're going to borrow this from me. I don't think so either. Uh, Ever. But it is so harrowing. Yeah. I will never watch it again. But there is something to having at least gone through that film once and having that experience that uh, does allow me to confront the, the fact of death better than had I not seen it. I do believe that. Yeah. Even though I don't want to see it again. I feel no reason to see it again because I have these indelible images of that film. <laughs> visceral images, mind. yeah, it's totally. It's so visceral. Oh. It's visceral beyond belief. So that's one film. The other film is a film about the Holocaust that I saw about, You're talking about five Night or Fog? six years ago. Not Night and Fog. Not right? Night and Fog, because that's arguably the first film right, the yeah. Holocaust ever made. Uh, first true Holocaust film. No, this was a fictional film came out about six or seven years ago from Hungary, called Son of Soul. Oh, my gosh. I have never felt more like I was actually in the, the gas chambers. Oh, my um, God. It's, it, it follows a Hungarian guy who's been commandeered by the Nazis uh, to clean out the gas chambers. Oh, a death camp. Jesus. And you're following this guy as he does this. Oh my and God. And he just goes through this routine. And what's amazing is the film tends to focus only on his back and you don't see you don't the actual see. stuff except out of focus because of the shallow depth of field. Do you see his face and ever? Yeah. That doesn't lessen the impact. And, and it, it in many ways makes it worse because you can see what he's doing. It's blurred out but you can see what he's doing and it's really harrowing. And the worst thing is, as he's clearing out these bodies, the reason why it's called Son of Saul, we find out that this guy, his name is Saul, and he finds his son there. Oh, God. One of the bodies he cleared out was his own son. And the whole thing is about what he's trying to do with his son's body and trying to get it out so it doesn't, so, get, doesn't get burned in mass with all these other things. So if you want a dark film, <laughs> that's probably number two after Stan Brakhage's film about autopsies. Yeah, so right? it begs the question, why would anyone force themselves to watch something like that. I think for me, because I think you probably have to, we can't generalize about why people like dark things. Yeah. I have never wanted to shy away from the dark side of life and what is real. It's I never wanted to have a belief system where all I do is support that belief system. I want to know what the worst things really are. 
Wasn't it, um, and you know why? Because it actually allows me to live more freely than I would otherwise. Because if I just ignore that stuff, I think in many ways I hem myself in. It also, I think, sharpens my moral sense. That there are just certain things that are absolutely intolerable. Because you got to remember, the Holocaust, things like that, and just about every uh, disaster, politically engineered disaster, right and left, was done by people who thought what they were doing was for something good. That's not very Monty Pythonian of you. <laughs> That's well, my, you see, what's great about Monty Python, if you want you to stay get, on the bright side of life, you, you, you look on the bright side of life. Exactly. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Life of Brian. Perfect example. Oh. Look on the bright side of life. Uh, I remember the first time I was really bothered by that. I don't know why I was, but you know, later on I started to realize actually that's brilliant. That is isn't, so oh, ridiculous. it's such because a brilliant that's movie. That's what comedy can do too. Comedy can deal with incredibly dark themes. You know, like Doctor Strange, the world blows up at the end, but it's a comedy. It's a dark comedy, but it's a comedy, right? Um, it, 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 there's it's just these dark themes that that come out. But all you can do is laugh at them. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like dark comedies. Yeah. So the Jim Carrey show. Kidding. Oh, my gosh. That is dark. It's sort of this Mr. Rogers sort of character. But basically, everything's just falling apart. And it all begins because one of his twin sons died in a car accident. Jesus. And he can't process this. He's unable to face up to the dark side of life. He sort of... and. Jim Carrey is so spot on playing this character. It's a perfect role for Jim Carrey. Because I've heard Jim Carrey actually struggles with depression. He said this. I think that a lot of a lot comedians, comedians do. do. So this is their way of dealing with it. So yeah. in a way, the way the same way that comedians can make jokes about anything, it's their way of processing anything. Yeah. It's the same reason why we like dark things. It's our way of processing it. I don't think it makes me more fearful or weaker. I think it has the opposite effect. Yeah. I become less fearful. I'm more able to deal with bad stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Not that I have a lot of bad stuff in my life, you know? <laughs> or, you know, because actually I think I'm pretty, I'm a really lucky guy. Yeah, that's why I laugh. So, I know, because you, you say this about me all the time. It's true. But it makes me not take it for granted. Yeah. Because I realize how easily things can go south. So there's a lot of different reasons why we like this dark stuff. Um, and I don't think there's, like anything, I don't think there's a simple one-size-fit-all explanation for why we like it. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Yeah. This episode of the Long Tail Podcast was edited and produced by me, Peter Byhauer. The song that you heard in this week's episode is Jazz Addict's intro by Cosmic Fog 201. If you're curious about the song and want to hear the full version, I'm going to put the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and we'll be back with a new episode next week. Have a great rest of your day.